life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Guys, thanks for being with us here on another episode of the podcast. And I have to thank so many of you that are signing up and asking questions about our Utah meetup that is coming the first weekend of October. That is the 5th through the 7th of October. We are hearing from people literally all over the nation who are saying they would like to come. People are flying in. People are driving in. People, I, we, we have a, a new friend in uh, Denver that bought a car. And a bike rack, because he's coming. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So, I didn't get through all the emails today. It, it, there's been a pile of them. But wow. thank you guys for having interest. We're excited about that. Again, it is a very much a a la carte piecemeal thing. You can come to what you'd like to come. There is the mountain biking. There is the, There are the meals. There's the track day. Don't there's come the for tour. just the mountain biking. Come for driving. No, I agree. No, I agree. <laughs> but mountain I'm just biking saying, will be fun. No, I agree. But, but, I, yes. but I'm just saying there's lots of layers of it. So many of you are telling us how your schedule is going to be, and we're excited to meet so many of you. I, I think I, I'm starting to wonder if it's going to be bigger than I expect. That's what I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> We're starting if we have to go, not, oops. if we have not prepared for this uh. properly, but it will still be very fun. So <laughs> if you'd like, do? if you'd like to know more about it, that is the adventures tab right there on the website everydaydriver.com. The adventure tab is all about the Utah meetup. Uh, we are not, sadly, we are not doing Germany this year. I say that because honestly, you would be, you and I'd be on a plane right now. I was going to say we'd either be there or on a plane yes, right now. We'd be on a plane like, right now. Right now, mm-hmm. absolutely. absolutely. As we record this, so that's a little bit of a bummer. But we will be going next year. We've yeah. already decided. We're already talking about dates. Flag so is in the that ground. Will happen for sure. And uh, we are also closing in on. Uh, you and I were just talking right before we started. We have five. Five of six new episodes for season four <laughs> on the calendar with cars scheduled. And we have a film planned yes, for 2018 yes. that is still pending. A few of you know what that is. The patrons know what that mm-hmm. is. But uh, we have not quite announced that yet. We will. So, yes, be patient. But we're shooting that the middle of September. To come out for the years out. Yes. It's, we have a lot to do. We're, we keep horrifying ourselves. Well, I, you know, I, needed, I needed more to edit. So right. it, besides just six episodes of TV, I'm going to try least, to get a feature film edited. At least too. you get a vacation in there. You're going to disappear a, for a I week, am which I'm happy disappear about. disappear big time. I'm going to be, no one will know where I am. Yeah. I, I, will, I may smash my phone against a rock. I don't Please know how do. it's going to work. So Please it's going to be lose it, yes. air quotes. Uh, exactly, exactly. And right. Chance and I will be in Monterey. We're going to be enjoying ourselves and you, all this yeah, stuff. You guys are going to Monterey. You're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Chance will actually be sitting in on the podcast the end of August when I am gone he will be sitting in but you guys will have a lot to talk about because you will have been to pebble beach well we're coming back on that monday Mm -hmm. debriefing about the show Mm -hmm. on that following we get back the 26th so the tuesday the 27th of august it'll be chance and i debriefing about pebble beach and everything that went on there which will be really cool it's gonna be a lot of fun and then he'll probably join me a few for a few others while Mm -hmm. you're gone yep then we're into labor day then we're into shooting oh yeah big time Uh, i mean it's on so yeah speaking of which we are airing Episode five. <laughs> we still have actual stuff coming out too. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's coming out. Well, the fruits of all of our labor. Yes, it, we're and all those deliverables. Yep, you delivered to Velocity. So that is episode five. So this Saturday, August fourth, twenty eighteen, seven thirty a.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Classic Mustangs. And we have looked at this episode as well. It's perfect for Velocity because of all the build shows and everybody appreciates mm-hmm. Mustangs. But also from you and I and going back and appreciating. 
everything that is the difference between a resto mod and the original Mustang. So a 67 yeah. and a 68, yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun. Very different for us. Yeah, Ty, Ty and Jesse, their car is pretty much a stock Mustang from that era. Stock being to keep it running over 50 exactly. years. And Chance's car, as we know, is a resto mod. And it's a great discussion, honestly, beyond just Mustangs. It's about, if you like classic cars, you probably fall into one of these two camps. So let's talk about those camps. Also, big announcement for those of you that don't get Velocity. You're a week away. You're mm-hmm. a week away from getting it on Amazon or Vimeo. If you're in the U.S., you'll have it on Amazon Prime. Uh, it'll be available for rent or buy. If you're not in the U.S., and that does sadly include Canada, if you're not in the U.S., it will be available on Vimeo. That is a week from the Friday you're listening to this. It will be out. We're going to keep telling you, but I just wanted you to know ahead of time, that is the release day, and it will go once a week for six weeks. So starting, here's the real brain tease for you and I. <laughs> starting oh, no. next Thursday, we when we record ourselves. for Friday, we will be announcing which episode has just released on the web and which episode has, is out on Velocity. Because they'll be different. Yeah, yikes. But we are, we're episode five of six new ones on Velocity this weekend. We would love to hear your thoughts on the Mustangs. Also, those of you watching on Velocity, you are a week away from the world premiere of a Wrangler in Moab, and that episode is funny. <laughs> funny for us, because if we've never done it before. Yeah, exactly. Watch, I, watch us not know what we're doing exactly. for, for 25 minutes, yes. We cannot go further until we thank our presenting sponsor, Covercraft, mm-hmm. alongside Griot's Garage, Auto Tempest, and Brush Hero, and use the code every day for Covercraft and for Griot's Garage. Covercraft will give you free shipping. Mm-hmm. Griot's Garage will give you 10% off your order. Be sure to use those codes. And guys, they do see it on their end. Yes. Because definitely. they tell us, hey, there's orders and you know they're labeled or yeah. mentioned in the notes or whatever. They say everyday driver or mm-hmm. the code, obviously, is only every day. But yeah. they see that on their end from an analytics standpoint. And they let us know, which is and, great. And they do let us know. They like seeing that. And we really appreciate it. And some of you have asked us about other ways to support. And I know you haven't, you and I haven't mentioned this in quite a while, mm-hmm. but we do have a spot on Patreon. Yes, we do. For you to become a patron. And as Todd and I are transitioning pretty much right now to full time with the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, that's a way to support us. And everything mm-hmm. goes into production and travel and everything to produce new content as we are. Looking at season four. Yeah, and, season four uh, and beyond. I mean, here, here's the thing. You it's might a great be way to support right us. now, aren't you guys on TV? Yes, we are. But we're independent producers on Velocity. Correct, yes. Which means these sponsors are the reason the TV show gets paid for. But it's not the TV show gets paid for. Look at all this cash we're rolling around in. We're using it for production. We're using it for deliverables. This is where this is happening. And we have obviously a lot of other things going on. All of that stuff costs money. So this is the reason that Patreon still exists. And actually, we had a recent call. Hmm. with our patrons. Yes. Some of the upper-level patrons, we get on a monthly call with right. them. Right. And something was said after the fact, and it's rattling around in my brain, but I'm starting to kind of realize the guys that are our consistent guys on that call, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the Everyday Driver Board of Directors. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, it but kind you're of right. Is. It, it, you know, one of our patrons that's mentioned funny. something along those lines, and I went, wait a minute, that's kind of what, that's kind of like the monthly board meeting call. <laughs> that's that's what we should rename the upper it level of It should of be just, yeah, here you are, the board members. That's hilarious. But anyway, but, but there's lots of things like freebies on the films and the TV show, and there's lots of things And as you mentioned, there. the early releases. Yes, and we are in the process of revamping Patreon with a new video from Paul and I and just kind of resetting the levels. We're, we're rethinking that differently because we're kind of rethinking everything differently as we're heading into... <laughs> look, look, honestly, let it into a lot. Yes, but let me let me let me try to balance this out for you guys listening. What has happened to this point? I had a conversation with somebody actually today because I was actually editing something, nothing to do with the show all day today. Yeah, I know you were. You were head down, busy, and, it, and invariably, when that happens, we end up talking cars. 
Okay. Glad to hear that. So now they understand and they hear about the show. And so the person asked me, they said, how on earth are you finding the time to do a side hustle as big as what you're talking about? He was talking about Everyday Driver. And I said, you misunderstand me. <laughs> Everyday Driver is the real hustle. Yeah. Me editing for other people, that's the side hustle. Exactly. The, 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 scales, the scales have tipped. Fix your thinking. The scales have tipped. So that yep. is the thing that Paul and I, you know, even a year ago, we both had our, our thing that was paying the bills and we were side hustling everyday driver. Over the past year, that has shifted. But it hasn't yeah. shifted with some big light switch. So we're still doing that balancing act, leaning into the show. And thank you guys for all the rates, the reviews, the shares. That's why the show grows. That has helped us. Let's be honest. Yeah. The reason yeah. you're watching and listening is the reason these sponsors have stepped alongside us. So it all connects. So thank you guys so much. You're right. It does. Well, we've got a couple of great debates. But before we do, there was an email that we got just before we started recording from Matt B. He's in Stonehaven, Scotland. And he just gave us a little shout out. So Matt, right back at you. Thanks for writing because he said, I found the podcast about six, six months ago. And I said, I love it so much, I went and bought a new car because of how we made him think about driving. Good. That's awesome. And that's the entire it. point. If we can't yes. get to your car debate, we're hoping we shift your mind and mm-hmm. and shift your headspace about how you think about your own driving, how mm-hmm. your approaches, your approach to buying and selling cars, and your love for everything yeah. That is the car world. We just cool. We want to feed your addiction is what we're here to do. <laughs> yeah, we want to spend we, your money. Well, I do. But congratulations. We are your bad influence. Yeah, yeah that's exactly I true. I mean, Matt, you've got a great car list, but he went back to a BMW. He'd had one before and thought, you know what? I want to rekindle that, and I'm, I'm happy to be part of that fire. That's Matt. cool. Love it. Thanks that's for great. writing. Really appreciate it. If you've got your own debate before we launch into this, mm-hmm. everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. You hear me say that all the time. And then on the website, when you're there signing up for the Utah meetup, there you, go. Nicely done. Yeah, you can nicely go done. to the contact mm-hmm. tab underneath the about tab and says, hey, guys, you can you can write to us right there. Mm-hmm. You can. It's a great way. So this first car debate is, uh, is for Dale. He's writing to us about, okay. I think it's time for the Camry to go. Dale, I'm going to back your play right there. This is a short car debate. I think it's time for the Camry to go as I well. saw the headline. I it's, thought, done. Yeah, exactly. 174,000 <laughs> miles on your Camry, and your description is it's starting to leak oil from pretty much anywhere it can leak oil. Hmm. What I find interesting is the next sentence he says, that will probably cost me $1,000 to fix it. I thought, it's leaking from all over the place. It's only going to cost you a grand? A part of me was like, that's actually a bargain. Your mechanic exactly. is awesome. Exactly. Only $1,000? Hey, well, Dale, thank you so much for writing. He and his wife are located in Tacoma, Washington. I've got family up there, as you probably know. But he says we are likely to move within the next year, and they're moving separately and potentially living apart for approximately a year. That'll be hard. Wow. Well, we can't comment on your, you know, whatever's going on there, but they did say they've got two dogs. So here's Mm -hmm. the twist. A 60-pound golden retriever. Mm -hmm. I love goldens. (laughs) They're so unbelievably happy. We, you and I finished a bike ride yesterday, and a person walking, a golden retriever walked by, and it just walked over to you and stood at your feet like, you're scratching me now. Yeah, he Hi. just put his head right against my knee and just you're, stopped. You're just going to scratch me now. Like, ready for the scratch. Yeah. Go ahead now. And there's also an 85-pound German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. I've always thought a German Shepherd, a name for that dog would be Targa. I always thought that'd be a cool name for your German Shepherd. Interesting. Targa. Anyway. It's a removable coat. Anyway, moving on. Possibly. Guess where I got that from. Anyway, so she will take the golden while Dale takes the Shepherd. In the meantime, this 174,000-mile Camry, (laughs) which apparently for Camrys is just getting started except for the oil leak. Yeah. And they're thinking about, well, do we... Do we fix this? Do we, you know, before they have kids and have a growing family, do they have a fun and impractical car? Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, he is adamant 
that it be a manual transmission. Yeah. And he sent us a link to a car, which is an M235i, located mm-hmm. at Lexus of Tacoma Fife. I know Fife very well. Mm-hmm. My sister went to college up there at University of Puget Sound, so visited her quite a bit. And, of course, the row of car dealerships. There's the Porsche dealer right there that I just... Shocking that you know where the Porsche dealer is in Tacoma. It's like a bug zapper this for me. This is not a surprise. Of course it is. Yeah. I, I'm drawn to the light. Of course you are. Anyway. Yes. So he's looking for advice on what is the right car for us beyond mm-hmm, the Camry. Mm-hmm. Maybe yep. it's this 235i. But more importantly, would we lose much money if they traded it in for an X3 or something within a year? Hmm. Say they you know, do their yeah, life yeah, plan yeah. here, whatever's going on with the move, and then they have the fun car. But then, all right, we're going to have a family now. We're going to, you know, the needs change guess, within yeah, a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how much are you going to lose in depreciation? Mm-hmm. By the way, they also have a 2016 Toyota 4Runner. Okay. And should they be looking at something else other than this 235i with a budget yeah. of 325? The the big the big sentence in this email, Dale, that really struck me is this one. You said, "Before we have kids, we'd like to have a fun and impractical car." <laughs> now, deliberately impractical. Two, two separate thoughts here. First off, I I am a father, and I have two fun and impractical cars. Mm-hmm. So I I I do want to separate your thinking from I am a parent now, and the fun and practical cars must go away. That is a common thought. If you have multiple kids, I understand it gets harder, but it's really a conversation about can we keep a fun and impractical car in our life and how do we figure it out? My wife has been very tolerant. We only have one kid. I understand we have a situation that works. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but I, there is a, there, honestly, there is a cultural perception that, well, I had a fun car, and then I became a parent. As a matter of fact, I'm so glad you brought this up. I was actually thinking about turning this into a topic Tuesday for us to discuss and discuss the merits, ins and outs. I'm not Mm -hmm. a father, but we could discuss a lot of the perception like you're touching Mm -hmm. on right now. Mm -hmm. The Well, my life is over, so that means we can't go to Europe as a couple. (laughs) We can't, you know, I'm having, you know, anything fun is sort of out the window because, you know... I'm craving adult conversations now instead of watching of course you you are. Know, whatever kid yes. show, the latest kid show is. Yes. And I've always liked your approach to that when you said, you know what? My wife and I are going to go do this. Mm-hmm. And your son's staying with the in-laws and, yeah. you know, whatever that's. We, my parents never did that. We want to see, see our son see us have goals and have fun and do things without him. Not because we don't like doing things with him. Not because we don't do things with him. You do we plenty want, of stuff with him. You guys go but, camping and glamping yeah, and all kinds of stuff. But at the same time, we, we want to have that, you know, we are a couple and we existed before he was around. <laughs> much to his surprise. He's like, what? <laughs> no. Seriously? So anyway. The center of the universe so there's ain't that. you. But, but, uh, but also, yeah, there are ways to make the impractical car continue to work in your life. But everybody's situation is different. But all of that to say this. You've said this great sentence of, let's have a fun and impractical car. Now, mm-hmm. I understand you've got two dogs, but when, when you and your wife are going to go out for the night, you're not taking the dogs. When you're going to go out in the fun car, you're not taking the dogs. Right. They're home with peanut butter. So I'm going to say to you right now, this is the time for you to shop two-seaters. Hmm. The M235 is not impractical enough. <laughs> Seriously. I like that Step statement. Step into a world where you are just buying a two-seat car. Why? Because there's mm. two of you, and you're talking fun and impractical. I went straight down that path. I love that thinking, actually. All right. So the car history here includes a manual GMC Jimmy from 1994, the, the 05 automatic Camry, 2010 STI, 
He's driven an Aston Martin DB9. I didn't get the idea you owned that, but that was just, I've driven it, experienced mm -hmm. it. He's driven an automatic M240i, an 06 yeah. Mini. He's got the 4Runner, another 2018 Audi A4, a few other things. And his wife has had a mid-90s Expedition 2009 Ford Focus and a 2006 Mini. Very mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I, uh, I went all the way to one car. I started actually in the GTI really? arena. Okay. All right. Thought about Golf R's. Then I went older because okay. of your comment about depreciation, Dale. Okay, yeah. And that was, it, it tweaked my thinking because initially I was thinking new. And as we know, you know, save the manuals. BMW is kind of leading the charge from here on out <laughs> for any future manual transmission. So unless you go backwards in time mm -hmm. to capture and own some of these great cars, you might not have a chance otherwise if you're not mm. open to that. And because it's a year or less, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't want it to depreciate. I will say that 235i is going to continue to depreciate sure. severely. Sure. It might yeah. drop seven to $9,000 within that year it alone. Might. It might, yeah. And I, I'm imagining you might not be comfortable with that. Now, if you've you know, bought it already or you've gone that route already, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. totally fine. I love that car for you. I do like, like it. it. Yeah, we like it. It's got a trunk. It's a real car. Mm -hmm. On and mm -hmm. on and on. However, I'm going there for this podcast. Okay. With a budget of $32,500, you can find either a really nice 996 911 mm -hmm. or, say, an early 997, 2005, 2006, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Maybe find one with the IMS issue already serviced. You know, yeah. if you get an yeah, 05, yeah. the IMS has already been done. I found you an 04 911 coupe. For twenty nine thousand dollars, about fifty thousand miles on it, black, yeah. gorgeous, yeah. and it's a nine eleven. It's still got the back seat practicality for the dog, yeah, I guess, because it's a dog. I Probably guess. not both of them at the same time, but we'll see. But it's a nine eleven, mm -hmm. and my thought is, and it touches on your conversation and bringing up the well, we're going to have a family now. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll go to the Toyota dealership. <laughs> we need another Camry, <laughs> right? By the Camry dispenser, we're having kids. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. And challenging that thinking, and whether you keep it or you don't, mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. guess is the nine nine sixes, especially, will probably be depreciating less than that 235i. I think both of those 911s will depreciate less than the 235i. I think we're kind of, I, I don't want to call a bottom. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. That's going way out on a limb, but we're in that range yeah. somewhere yeah, within the, right. you know what, right. you, okay, say you put the average 12 to 15,000 miles on that car with mm -hmm. a car you bought 50,000 yeah. 50, miles. And yeah. It's got 65,000 when you sell it. Mm-hmm. Fine, it's still worth just about the same. Yeah, you've had yeah. a Porsche in your life. You've experienced a nine eleven, a manual nine eleven, mm -hmm. and it still works. It's yeah, yeah it's yeah. impractical in one hand, but on the other hand, it's pretty <laughs> can, darn can good. Can be surprisingly practical too. Yeah, and I'm thinking, all right, the dogs get in the back seat. Heck, and you know, two hundred pound human being will climb in the back happily. <laughs> Why not an eighty five pound German Shepherd? Yeah, fair point. They're not going to be happy about yeah, it. Exactly, but they can. So I'm just, I'm going there. It's your opportunity. I think it's a golden opportunity. And mm -hmm. whether you subscribe again to this, this thinking of we're having a family, I can never go back until I'm <laughs> 60, until I'm retired, eight, you know, 72 yeah. and I'm retired. And only then can I have a nine 11 again. Yeah. You'll have had one and experienced it in your life, or you come to grips with it and you keep said nine 11 and you Agreed. keep going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's my thinking because, like I said, I went to a lot of different places. I went to rear-wheel drive cars. I went to the front-wheel drive hot mm -hmm. hatches. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of went back and forth, and I thought, you know what? Just embrace it. 
Just go get a, a nine, as much 911 as you can afford yeah. for $32,500. Okay. And they're probably going to be pretty good. That's it's a fantastic choice. I do have to back you up on that choice. Uh, I'm also going to say this, Dale. Uh, okay, if you're going to have this car for a year, whatever it is, it's probably, I mean, the 911 might be an exception, but it's probably going to depreciate. And okay. All right. It's There's just, really no way to avoid you know, it. Ca- cars will depreciate. The best way I can think of for you to avoid it is you buy something used. Everything I'm thinking of, I want you to buy used. Like a 1929 Packard no, or no, a 62 really Ferrari no, GTO? Neither of the above. Oh. Yeah, we're still talking 32 and a half grand. Oh. I also liked it was a, his his budget is approximately 32,500. <laughs> I wanted to see like 32,504 on there, you know, just approximately and this. 14 cents. Exactly. So there's that. But uh, so, yeah, I, I'm shopping at 30 grand or less and I'm shopping used. Will you lose something in that theoretical year of owning the car? I'd like you to have it longer. But let's say you really only keep it a year. You're going to lose something. Mm-hmm. But you're yeah. not going to lose your shirt. No, so let's, no. let's just buy a fun car. Lotus Elise. You will not I, lose your shirt. That's true. Buy it for thirty two grand. <laughs> sell it for thirty two grand. Uh, which I actually, I, I, because you're thinking M235, I, don't, I didn't go as impractical as a Lotus. I, that's actually not on my list. Those are impractical. I wanted you to be in a car that I think you and your wife will just enjoy driving yeah yeah and hopefully you my my intention is you will both enjoy driving it enough that a year from now you're going to go should we keep this good yeah because it wasn't too expensive we're having fun why not see you know keep keep the equation going see how it works so i have all the cars on my list are two seat cars great and i want you to drive all of these i don't hear that you've driven any of the things i'm about to list i think any of them would be very fun for you and your wife it's going to seem obvious. It's a match to your point, but drive both a Boxster and a Cayman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I think you would thoroughly enjoy. You haven't told us where you are. I think you would thoroughly enjoy having the Boxster if you live in a place with a climate. Uh, Tacoma. Nice They're up in Washington. Oh, sorry, you're right. Tacoma. Yes. Okay. Sorry. There is that. Uh, it snows sometimes. It snows sometimes. But generally, but it's this just is, this is your fun car. Cold and rainy. I don't know how how often you're going to use a convertible in Tacoma, but that's why I'm saying drive the Boxster and the Cayman and have a conversation. It's the same chassis, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, yeah. While we're there, I have to say it. I'm in I'm in convertible land. You need to drive the current gen Miata. Excellent. Excellent. If you go back a generation, the NC, you could get a, con- a retractable hardtop for like fifteen. Now spend that's half your budget. Spend half your budget. Right. And then and then you have a real conversation about we aren't really losing much money on this and should we just keep it? And a little mini trailer made out of chicken wire for the dogs. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> or something. It's it's too see it's fun and impractical for you and the wife. So drive the current Miata uh, and drive one a generation back and then you can find incredible deals on Z4 convertible BMWs. Yeah, that's and good. And you can get the coupe, a nice one for 25. I always thought the shoe would be great for dogs in the back. I think that's that hatch is smaller than you think than these dogs are that you're talking well, about. Well, I know they're big. But that's like an, the that's Z3, an unhappy dog. That yeah, unhappy you know, dog. Well, I it, know. Yeah, it's a, it, it's cool. it's fun, they're but so it's so different. They're unique. cool, but that's an unhappy dog. I suppose. Uh, I mean, like the little dog accessory, fine in the backseat. Right. My dog at sixty pounds, unhappy. <laughs> and now you as a driver, also unhappy. Because <laughs> exactly. they'll uh, let so, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I, but honestly, the Z4 convertible and the coupe drive mm. both of those. There are going to be. You might even find a, a Z4 M coupe. That'd those cool. are the ones that are running 25 or so, cool. and, and we've driven that car, yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. You need to drive all of those, and the last one I have for your list is the C6 generation Corvette. That is the prior gen to the current Corvette. Interesting. 
I mean, why not? not super dog friendly, I would say. None of these are dog friendly. I'm not worried. Look, this is a two-seater and the dogs don't get to go. This is the fun okay. car. This right. is the fun take-it-out car. You want it fun Fair and enough. practical, I'm solving your problem. They've got the forerunner for the dogs, you're exactly. saying. All right. Exactly. Exactly. That part's done. So we're just having fun. So okay. the C6 Corvette needs to be on there as well. Drive all of those. I want you, if you're going to do this, embrace the fun and impractical by a genuine two-seater that you and your wife can just go out and have fun driving. You can have fun driving. It is your full-on fun car. Yeah. And in a year, you sell it, you don't sell it, but it, you bought used, you didn't spend a ton, and you just enjoyed. I so want that for you, Dale. Pretty soon, that Camry is going to be foggy, distant. Let's I hope don't so. Even rem- Did we own a Camry? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess there's a photo of us on a road trip, but that's not me. I never owned that car. And then you have kids and you say, okay, so here's the fun car we bought before you were born. Notice it's still here. Yeah. Your dad is cool. <laughs> I, I know, maybe you don't like me now, but... We we also bought a minivan, but we couldn't get rid of the Miata that your mom and I just loved. That's a great story. That's a great anyway, story. Yeah. My uncle had a Jeep when I was, you know, eight or ten. I just thought he was the coolest uncle ever. My dad bought a Jaguar E-Type. I, it was so against who he was that I kept thinking, who are you? Anytime I heard about this E-Type, because nothing in our life was Jaguar E-Type. And then twice a year we'd visit my grandfather and they'd pull out of the, the, the barn and I'd be like... What's going on? Who are you people? Gassed. Seriously. And then I'm 13 years old, and it's driving down the driveway of my grandfather's leaving my life forever. And I was like, I never got a chance to. Oh, still, I'm still, I'm still scarred. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Well, maybe therapy. All right, some driving therapy. I driving therapy, for sure. All right. Well, we've got a quick break to take, and then we'll be back. Do you have a shirt in your closet that says Austin 316? You remember that? Steve Austin has a podcast, if you don't know already. If you like this show, check out the Steve Austin Show each Tuesday and Thursday exclusively on Podcast One. Guess what? You can join the Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer and action movie star as he shares tales from his new life, his unbelievable past adventures, and he covers all the happenings in the pro wrestling world. So don't miss the Steve Austin Show each week on Podcast One, and while you're there, rate that show and this one. When you think of the things you do every day, maybe it's brushing your wheels to clean them, but brushing your teeth probably isn't top of your mind. For something that's so important to your health, and it should be, that's why Quip wants to help you brush better. Quip was called the best electric toothbrush by GQ and the Tesla of toothbrushes by Bloomberg. My son has a toothbrush with a timer on it. It makes Star Wars Darth Vader noises, and so he knows how long to brush. But you become an adult, and you just it's this subconscious thing you do. Quip's got a built-in timer. It actually vibrates and indicates when you need to change the size of your mouth. And it also tells you how long to brush so you get the dentist-recommended two minutes. I'm attracted to this just by the design alone. It's slim. It's slender. I really appreciate the design of this toothbrush. 75% of us don't refresh our bristles every three months, let alone visit the dentist every six months. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash driver right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash driver. Let me spell that so we're clear. This is G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash driver now. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 
Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off the dry cleaning, you pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars in car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing on your to-do list today. This whole car buying process that Todd and I talk about all the time, you think to yourself, why can a car park itself these days, but we have to drive across town to take a test drive if we want to just try out a new car? You might also be asking, why can we all get approved for a mortgage in lightning speed, but buying a new car takes an entire day? And finally, how can a home test service tell my entire ancestry for the past millennium, but I don't get to see the price and it's hidden from me for a new car until I actually buy it? Hyundai is solving this. They've got the future of car buying here now with their Shopper Assurance Program. They'll give you flexible test drives, test drives that come to you. How cool is that? Transparent pricing for your convenience. You can know what the car's price is. A streamlined purchase process. You don't have to spend the whole day at the dealer. And even a three-day worry-free exchange. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for all the information. That's HyundaiUSA.com for their brand new Shopper Assurance Program. Hey guys, I think I've mentioned this before, but I actually used to host a country music station. We have a new sponsor, it's Wrangler Jeans, and I read the copy and I thought, there's only one way to do this. Deep breath, Wrangler Jeans, you ready? Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans. The pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability and applying it to a new line of modern fits and styles. Wrangler jeans are made for the modern day adventurers, the go-getters, the folks who like to keep moving. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, a skateboard, or even drive a car. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits, a price that works for everyone. We've even got vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everybody. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selections of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear, all for men and women. Wrangler. Denim made for the modern world. That was proper. Yeah. We're back, but I have a question. Okay. We just came out of the ad break. Did you, the listener, hear the Wrangler ad? <laughs> because we're finding there are two groups of people. There are the people that have absolutely heard the Wrangler ad and cannot believe that just happened or go, what Wrangler ad? So there's my tease right. for the ads we just came out of. We have another car debate for David. He's writing to us from Omaha, Nebraska. And, uh, yeah, so we're writing, we're trying to solve that problem. This is another Camry-related conundrum, um, but hopefully this time with much more fast driving. David tells us that for 30-ish years ago, he lived for sleeper cars. And the particular sleeper car was a Buick GS400, and then it culminated in a GLHS Omni, Dodge Omni, Mm -hmm. that he discovered SCCA autocrossing in. Mm -hmm. But along the years, he dabbled with a 73 Trans Am, a 72 Big Block Monte Carlo, and a 1985 Mustang GT. But then, as we were just talking about, family happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Three kids, two minivans, a Mercedes ML320 later, he needed a cheap driver. Mm, This is how it happens. Which culminated in a 2017 Camry rolling into his garage for $18,000. But this SCCA autocross experience has never left him. And he always picks the inside lane of the 180 degree (laughs) on-ramp apex in his 2017 Camry. Yeah, but... 
But by the way, a twenty seventeen Camry for eighteen grand is a decent deal to begin with. You're, but well, that's why they sell. But that's why they're Camry. There's that's a why everybody a has for your money, and it just keeps running. Yes, that, 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 unless you have a thousand dollars worth of oil leaks. But I still think if every, it's leaking from every orifice of the car, it only cost you a thousand dollars. This car is still a bargain. This is my point. It is. There, there, there is there is actually a, a silver lining for your silver Camry in this podcast. But we're going to get you out of it anyway. Uh, you're you're now uh, mid fifties and uh, and you really want something fun back in your life. You'd like it to still work for the solo two level of autocross racing. So. That's where this gets difficult because whatever car you buy, you're going to have to look up the monster and like eight point font spreadsheet that tells you your car belongs in this class. Honestly, it's hard for me to recommend a car to you based on its SCCA designation. I don't care. I got to be honest. I don't care. I want you to autocross, but let's buy you a good daily driver and get you out of the Camry. And I'm glad you caveated that because that's where it is. By the way, the guy he sold his Dodge Omni GLHS had it stolen a week later so he yeah. says if anyone he, anyone sees omni g l h s number 429 he's still looking for it <laughs> put that well, out there for later. the stolen car you, you find it there it's like did they put up the posters with the missing photo the little little number you <laughs> exactly. pull from the bottom anyway yeah yes so this is more of um getting rid of camrys that's mm-hmm. what the podcast is about but as todd said yes depending on the car i actually went and downloaded the sheet from the 2018 street category by manufacturer PDF from SCCA's website. And it's long. It's the 2018 street category because that's what you're wanting. You're wanting it to be Mm -hmm. the street Mm -hmm. driver on a daily basis and you can go autocrossing with it. So Mm -hmm. be careful because whatever car you decide on, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the new Civic Type R and, and they've got it classified as D street and you've got to look at what, where your car fits because if we say Mini Cooper, like I would like you to get, yeah, it might not be eligible for some classes of racing. So it's less about using the sheet as a guide. It's more get the car you want and then go figure out. Agreed. Well, that put, puts me in this class of that's racing. That's the right order. Okay. That's the right order. Fine. I, I would hate for you to buy something just based on which classification it's going to wind up in because you can go have fun on an autocross day in any car you bought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I want you to have fun in this car when you're daily driving it and when you have the chance to autocross it. But let's be honest. The vast majority of its time is going to be as your daily driver. This list is so detailed, they have the Isuzu Impulse Turbo. I bet you haven't heard the word Isuzu for like 10 years. Well, yeah, the Isuzu Impulse Turbo is practically like some sort of Yahtzee name because <laughs> we haven't heard it in so long. It's like, wait a minute. There it is. You win the dinette set. Congratulations. All right. So I started at cars. And like I said, I would love you to be in a Mini Cooper, a JCW Mini Cooper. Mm-hmm. You didn't give us a budget, but for 18, we'll call it 20 on the high side. Yeah, maybe? he's saying I'm trying to not break the bank or my 30-year marriage. At <laughs> yeah. that point, I hear 20 grand or below. I just kind of yeah, insert that at. into this discussion. But keep going. I mean, of course, Miatas, I came across the Abarth 500 for you because Mm. that's almost half your budget, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Could be fun, but then there's there's some trade-offs about that car. It's rather small. But the Fiesta ST, as you were talking about, you've been researching Toyota Mm -hmm. 86s, Fiesta STs, but it was interesting. Being in Omaha, Nebraska, you did say, well, I've been looking at, you know, rear-wheel drive, but I've also been looking at front-wheel drive because Omaha's... Not exactly conducive, but we will come back at you and say... Winter tires. There it is. Thank you. So, again, I come to car first, tires second, Mm -hmm. then autocross class third. (laughs) Let's get the fun car first. I was very struck by the sleeper aspect of this. And also, the history for David here of some big American iron with fun engines. 
Oh my gosh. This is influencing me. So I was trying to think about the world of sleepers. Okay. And he said he doesn't want a fast and furious car. Right. Uh, Which I get that. I understand. I I have to say that if you're worried about the fast and furious car, you can only buy uh, Fiesta STs if they are in a bland color. And at that point, you're going to hear me say it. What's the point? (laughs) If it doesn't look like a Skittle, what are we doing? And, you know, I would love for you to be in a BRZ or or a Civic SI. I really would think a BRZ or FRS you would thoroughly enjoy. But I don't think of those as sleepers. They certainly, if anything, that's the other end of the category. People look at them like, that's a fast car. And it's not really. It's the exact counterpoint to a sleeper. So, yeah. So I have some genuine sleepers that I think are cars that people are not going to expect them to be as fast as they are. I don't find all of my car recommendations to be fantastic autocrossers, but they're in the category of I think they're going to be fun to drive every day. And when you get the chance to autocross them, you will enjoy yourself, but you're not going to be at the top of the leaderboard. And I I don't think that's the point of his thinking here. It's just to go feed that addiction again. Mm-hmm. And whether he finishes yeah, first yeah, yeah. or last, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to quote Talladega Nights. I promise. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking the the daily fun that yeah, 180 yeah, yeah. degree on ramp apex that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's where you're jonesing for. So yeah, let's go get him something. If it's not the most amazing, if it's a Isuzu Impulse Turbo, not amazing. <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Buick Regals are on this list. Buick Riata is on this list. Is the H Street category? Who would autocross a Buick Riata? Who would do Don't this? Don't know, but you know what my my wild card is. I'm curious. My wild card is actually for David the Buick Regal GS. Is it really? Is my wild card? I like that you I started thought, with dessert first because I just thought we're trying to to offset the Camry. Yeah. Yeah. And a car that is surprisingly fun and is a sleeper, not because it's the fastest thing out there, but you look at a, Bu- a Buick Regal GS and you just think, it's a Buick. That is but in the F Street is, class. Perfect. But yet it is genuinely fun to drive and surprisingly quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, it is, to me, I mean, it's front-wheel drive, but that to me is a definition of a sleeper because you just don't think that car is as good as it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I now, mean, it's wild card because I'm I'm getting you into a front wheel drive Buick out of a front wheel drive Camry. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I've done really well there, but I have checked off the sleeper box. Sure. I have I have three other sleepers I really want to get into though. Okay. First off, you can get them for probably half your budget. Hmm. An early 2000s Pontiac GTO. Like and I it. say sleeper because people don't see very many of them. And it is a Corvette in a non-Corvette body. It's heavier, of course, but it's essentially the Corvette running gear. It's the Corvette motor. It's the Corvette six-speed. Yeah, yeah, pretty it's much. It's a 400 horsepower. It honestly isn't as good-looking as it should have been. When they brought back the GTO, it's like, that's what it looks like. <laughs> it is a sleeper, okay? It was the, it was the uh, what was it, the Vauxhall Monaro mm-hmm. overseas. Hold Monaro, is, whatever, yeah. This is a really well-balanced car, rear-wheel drive, surprising amount of room, Nobody expects this car to be as powerful or as capable as it is. Hmm. And they're cheap. Yeah. So Pontiac yeah. GTO is absolutely one of them. I mean, you could go sister cars, the Pontiac G8, but I don't. I think that is more sleeper, but actually a little less fun. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to stay GTO. In a similar vein, the last gen, jump back a generation, the E90 M3 BMW. Oh, really? You're going to love commuting in that car. You're going to love daily driving yeah, that car. And yeah. to everybody on the road, except for enthusiasts, you're just a guy in his 50s in a BMW. There's nothing to see here. Okay. But the E90 four-door M3 is a monster. That's that's a crazy engine on that car. Great engine, really fun dynamically. 
I would autocross that car all day long. We love it on back roads. Watch our icon film. We yeah. love it on back roads. Six speed or DCT, you would like that car. Hmm. So I hmm. think the E90 M3 is a real contender here because I think you would like it in both things. If you want to go older, also sleeper, very similar. I'm going to stay in BMW for a second and add a car, the E39 M5. Oh, you like it. Like it. That is a classic BMW, but it is a great car to drive. Also, all the same things as the E90 applies here, but you've gone older, which might be a little more concerning, but but I'm going to put it out there. My last one, and then I'm tossing it to you. Okay. It's a sleeper because I think people that aren't enthusiasts don't recognize what it is, and unfortunately, I don't think it looks as good as it should. Okay. It's our go-to, the Subaru WRX. Interesting. Yeah, all-wheel drive, but when the turbo pops, yeah, it's fast. No matter what your weather is in Omaha, fine. Not going to matter. Going to be great. Absolutely going to autocross all day long. Uh, don't put a wing on it. Don't get fancy wheels on it. You will vanish to most people because you're another Corolla in traffic. I wish it didn't look like a Corolla in traffic. It kind of does. Hmm. Okay? So that is, I mean, obviously enthusiasts know what it is, but it can be a sleeper if you don't do anything to it. That's the thing. You get it in. I don't know why. Last couple podcasts, we've put me in situations where I'm recommending bland car colors to people. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> this is starting to hurt my brain. Okay. Honestly, this is hurting me at my core. But but get but get a bland. I love that you're forced into it. Seriously, though. get get a get a bland color. <laughs> wheels that nobody notices. You know, stock wheels nobody notices. Don't put a fin or anything on it. Don't make it a fast and furious car, and it will blend like crazy in traffic. But yet, is it a genuinely fun car? Interesting. And I'm done. Very cool. I like all the choices, and, and you're right. I mean, the Chevy SS is in there. I think it's, I, I think the mm-hmm. two door that you suggested, the GTO, is mm-hmm. a better choice ultimately. But that everybody thinks it's Malibu. Everybody yeah, just absolutely. thinks absolutely. Is yeah. that Impala Malibu? What is that SS? What is that Impalabu? car? There we go. The Chevy Impalabu. <laughs> it's it's a large Importing car from Australia. The <laughs> Chevy Impalabu. Stop it. <laughs> you're right. I I um. I'm thinking along those lines, but the SS is big for autocross. It, it just is. is. It is. But I actually went to BMW as well, even though okay. you couldn't okay. consider these really, well, maybe. The E46 M3. People look yeah. at that as just kind of an old BMW, older, I suppose. Yeah. What's interesting, not that I'm trying to do this, but the E46 and the E90 chassis are in the same F Street category for SCCA. I find mm. that very intriguing because the power difference is quite noticeable. True. Also, didn't you say that the Buick Regal GS was in that same category, which means the Buick's getting killed? Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so from 2000 to 2013, it's in these cars are in the F Street category for okay. SCCA. Okay. Kind of interesting, but I just went back. On the other hand, for twenty grand, is that going to be a pretty beat-up E46? There's going to be money to put into it. But yeah, the sleeper sure. is that 335IS. I'm glad you brought that. That is a... That's just a three series that's from 2011 to 2012. Just a random three series, and you've got M3 levels of power. That yep. is a very good one. That's like my that sleeper for you, right that's good. there. That's really good. It's BMW. I think they're in the sweet spot. They're 18 to 20 right yes, now. Yes, they are. They are a deal. It's the 335 IS, and you're, mm-hmm. you note that because of everything that is otherwise chromed plastic is blacked out. Mm-hmm. The exhaust tips, the under diffuser, the grill, all these little bits and the pieces mirrors, around all these the car, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. they're blacked out. Mm-hmm. And of course, the IS badge on the back. Yeah. But this car is has, we still talk about it, obviously. Yeah. It's astounded us. If you don't know what it is, it's just random three series coupe. 
Yeah, and that's why and I it like isn't. it so much. Yeah, I agree with that. And here's the thing. Our problem with it when we first drove it, go back and watch our review, our problem with it was it was hard to swallow at 50-55. Oh, yeah. But at 18 to 20? Yeah. That's a deal. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yes, you know, it's got the M3 levels of power, but it doesn't look like something mm-hmm. hot. It just mm-hmm. looks like... Cool. And it's That's turbocharged it. engine instead of the yep. big M3 V8, which means it actually feels more powerful more of the time. The V8 is wonderful when you wind it out and more interesting when you wind it out. But in your kind of mid-range RPM, that engine in the IS is pretty compelling. Oh, it's phenomenal. So I know that is a rear-wheel drive car, and you have kind of put that out there as a... Most of mine were. Well, Winter yeah. tires. That's exactly it. And hey, you're in Omaha, so you know there's... The skiing is not as good in Omaha, we'll say. <laughs> right? Is it's that less, fair? It's less of a ski destination than you'd think. It's less, yeah. less than yeah, you'd it's, think. It's, 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 not, it's not really <laughs> a ski destination. That's, we're not, we tease you in jest. We're, we're just having fun. Anyway, Omaha, so. <laughs> not here for the skiing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you, you get what we're saying here, but I'm, I'm landing on the 335 IS. I That's love good. your other That's a really good one. I, I mean, Fiesta ST and uh, John Cooper Works Mini Cooper S. Mm-hmm. If if it's got to be front-wheel drive, otherwise, yeah, I, I like those two for you. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm landing on that rear-wheel drive car. Okay. It's got and, the power. It's just got – It's the, they're such bargains right now. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not autocrossing, go buy one. Mm-hmm. Go find yourself well, one of these cars. You know, yes, you brought up the – you brought up – I mean, come on. David, you brought up the Miata, you brought up the BRZ, all these kind of things. Yes, they work, but I don't think they're sleepers, and that's why I take them back out of consideration. So hopefully something here has been helpful. Oh, the questions that have come to us <laughs> yeah. via social media. Thank you guys for all of the questions. We're being bombarded. It's the better part of 100 questions a podcast now. It's awesome. Which I'm, is really, really I'm cool. astounded, yeah. and thank you guys. This is amazing. All right, where do you want to jump in? Do you have something teed up? Uh, so many. I have a fast one. Hal Bullock wrote in and said, what's the most American car you can buy? Oh. Hal, I have an answer for you. Anything with steer horns on the hood. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Do they put them on anything other than 60s Cadillacs? But they, they, if you live in Texas, as I did, you grew up in Texas, randomly you will see them on things. I guess it'd be and, 70s and Cadillacs. And there, no, there is no greater good old boy Americana car than I have steer horns. You know what? And, I, and I'll, I'll broaden that out. Or a random skull you found somewhere. The skull. I have seen those on all kinds of cars, the skulls or the antlers or the horns. And I'm sorry, that is the most American car ever. I love it. There's a design question. I love design questions, you guys. So Esteban P2014 asks, what about women in car design? Are there any books or information about it? Yeah, yeah. You can do plenty of internet digging, but I will say women are highly valued in the design studio. Because of the opinions, because of the perspective, they are rare just simply because interest. It's it's kind of a rare to, you know, come across a, a gal that's, you know, really into cars as much as anybody. They do exist. And I do want to point you to Michelle Christensen, who is the NSX Generation 2 designer. Car and Driver did an article all about her in 2015. You can find that online. Mm. Excellent article. You can read about her background growing up in San Jose. Uh, it's excellent. But yes... I wish there were more females in the car design in the studio and not just working, say, in the color and trim, which is, I'll say that happens a lot, yeah. which is excellent. But I, I love the the design sensibilities that females will bring into the equation, into the studio, into the thinking and change things up. It's awesome. So, yes, do some digging. Michelle Christensen is excellent article on her. I think you'll be pretty inspired by her. Well, the NSX... 
the, the, the current and SX. Mm-hmm. And isn't it the interior and exterior of the current Z4? Z4 as well, yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's, I mean, you could argue about the shapes, say, coming out of Mazda. Mm-hmm. And I actually had this discussion while I was at Waymo with one of the lead designers there about Waymo Mazda discussion, Waymo design discussion. Okay, good. Excellent. And it was about more of the softer feminine shapes Mm. that Mazda is employing, but they're still aggressive and purposeful and they work. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, the more fluid feminine shapes look good and better over time. Absolutely. They do for a longer time than just a trendy hard edged kind of a sketch. Look at the sharp corners and I'm not even the design guy. Look at the sharp corners of Cadillac styling mm-hmm. and look at the soft corners of Mazda styling. Mm-hmm. The Mazdas absolutely look feminine if you want to look at it that way. And the Cadillac looks masculine as far as just design shapes. But in 10 years, you're right. The Cadillac's going to look old and the Mazda's going to still look pretty cool. So get this, Esteban P2014. Tom Matano is the father of the Miata, the original okay, yeah, NA yeah, Miata. Yeah. He is the designer. He is now an instructor at Academy of Art in San Francisco. He would take his design team from Mazda. He would take them to fashion shows where mm. they would watch the gate of women modeling clothes as they would walk down the runway, coming to him and walking oh, away interesting. and interesting. watch the human body. It's mm-hmm. it's really amazing to watch the human body do things, whether it's mm-hmm. sports or athletics or Olympics or the kinds of things. And so he would take them to fashion shows, not just to appreciate colors and materials and trends and things like that, but watch the gait. And he would employ mm-hmm. that, and then they'd go back to the studio and sketch. The cadence and movement. This yes. is much better than the mood board in your cubicle, by the way. I think it's a much, much better I, day at the office. Yeah, I agree. We're going to a fashion show today because yes, we need it. inspiration for the bring next it. Roadster. Like Done. Uh, and Turnbull on uh, on Facebook said, I actually think I didn't get all that name. But anyway, uh, interested in doing an oct- the October meetup at, at the track day. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't get all that name. Sorry. You've asked this question about the October uh, meetup. At UMC, and you've said you've looked at the overview of the track, and we're talking about the full track, and wow, that looks daunting. Uh, should you be worried? No, no, mm. because the NASA folks that are going to be out there with us as ho- as hosting the track day, they have instructors available all the time for the lower groups. Yeah, what for they sure. typically do, and the guys, and I've met a few of them out here in Utah, and they're great. The guys that run in the upper levels where that's their session, they're going to run in the top two levels. Those are the guys that are standing around during the lower-level sessions, and those are your instructors. Mm-hmm. They will hop in with you. They know the track. It's their, it's their local track. They're going for times. Yeah, right. You're right. not going for times. But they'll hop in with you, and they'll guide you around the track. There's a couple of corners I can think of right now on the UMC track that if you go into them right – it's brilliant. And if you go into them wrong, it's like you got lost. <laughs> it's unbrilliant. It, but it's like you got lost. You're like, wait, I got to do another little adjustment with the thing. And the, why didn't I? Wh- where did that curb come from? But if you hit it right, it's one movement. It's smooth as heck. And you're out. You're like, that was brilliant. Right. You Otherwise, it's, there's another apex. Where did that come from? <laughs> Seriously. But I'm telling you, the first time somebody gets you through that corner right, you will be like, I want to do that corner again. These guys are going to be out there. I've already talked to both Matt and Dave. These are the hosts of uh, the, the actual guys that are the co-directors of the Utah NASA. They know our group is coming. Excellent. They have flat out said, ask us for instruction. If you are a first-timer, they will inqu- require an instructor to be with you. So please don't be scared. They will be there. They will be helpful. And the track is really cool. Hmm. The Schmidt House writes to us on Instagram. 
with a debate between his friends oh, and I. I saw said, this. My friends and I are having the debate when mm-hmm. approaching a hill. Mm-hmm. What is better for fuel economy? Is it downshifting and pressing the throttle halfway or keeping it in a high gear and mashing down the throttle? <laughs> now, we all know that cars lose speed going uphill, and it just yes. seems like it's always the driver in front of us that that's never occurred to them. <laughs> and you lose 10 or 15 miles an yeah. hour by the time you crest the hill, and you're going, come on, yeah, keep seriously. your speed. I've always looked at it as keeping your speed. I care very little about the fuel economy part of it, <laughs> but I know there's hypermiles out there, hypermilers, I should say. Yeah. And so I, I've thought about, well, it kind of depends on the car, honestly. How, how's the gearing and how's the hill? That does, yes. That, these are factors. It depends yeah. on the speed coming in. So mm-hmm. there's, of course, many things. I will say that I think keeping it in higher gear and not mashing the throttle, I would say, but getting the speed run up and just keeping it in a higher gear because obviously you're at a lower RPM. I think, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that will actually, because what are high gears for? Mm-hmm. Better fuel economy. That's the whole point. Yes, that is their purpose. And I'm not saying, if you mash the throttle, well, you're going to dump a whole lot of unburned fuel out the back of your car. Mm-hmm. But downshifting, I think it's kind of a... I think it's a 50-50, to be honest. I don't know that you can say definitively one thing over another, so we're not solving your debate, obviously. Yeah, we're, we're debating it, yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking, like, I'm thinking of gentle hills, yeah. where, you know, on the road to my house, they're kind of gentle, but if you don't downshift and just kind of increase your speed a little, you don't have to do anything. You can kind of lift halfway mm-hmm. and then crest the hill and keep going. In that case, yeah, probably doing that is better. But if it's a long hill, I'd say you need to keep your speed and therefore downshifting and not mashing the throttle is probably the better i'm gonna i'm gonna unpack this a bit it depends on the hill though depends on the hill and it depends on the car and i was initially thinking just a gradual smooth and then you can lift halfway Mm -hmm. keep it in the high gear and then once you crest the hill you still got the speed and then ease back into the throttle at that high gear but not for long big uphills yeah i'm i'm gonna unpack this like crazy first off i'm gonna go this way think about a bike Think about a bicycle. Yes. When you hit a hill, you have to downshift. You certainly do. Because you will use less energy if you downshift than if you try to stay in the higher gear and get up that hill. You, it requires more energy. Sure. So apply sure. that thinking to your car. I have commuted back and forth to Salt Lake more times than I can count in the years I've lived here in Park City. And there is a hill. Called, it's called Parley Summit. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's just under 8,000 feet. Okay. And my house is a 6,500. That increase of a little over 1,000 feet, is a genuinely steep incline. Oh, yeah. Steep yeah, yeah. enough that in the winter, when the 18-wheelers do not have A, winter tires, or B, chains on, we'll get halfway up the hill, and then you want to see something terrified. Slide backwards. Ugh, Nothing yeah. is more terrifying than an 18-wheeler with its wheels turning, sliding backwards down an interstate road. Mm-hmm. That is horrifying. Anyway, my point is, it's a steep hill. Mini or Lotus. I can keep my foot at the same place on the accelerator drop a gear, and climb the hill. Yeah, and we're talking about a steep hill here, too. Yes, yes, yes. You have to downshift. There's yes. no other way. Exactly. You'll drag so, the so, engine and So it is, it is dependent upon the hill we're talking oh, about, yeah, but I do yeah, find yeah. it interesting in both of those cars. Can I get up the hill on the higher gear? Yes, I can, but I will steadily be giving it more and more throttle the entire way mm-hmm. up. If yeah. I shift kind of right in the shoulder of the hill as it starts to really go up, if I shift downshift, I can leave my foot at the exact same place in the accelerator. By the way, I have two two-seat cars, neither of which have cruise control. Yeah, right. So I can keep They're my foot. They're both British, in, too, which isn't I it crazy? Yeah. I can keep them both. I keep my foot in the same place and downshift 
and climb the hill. So I'm going to say downshift is the way to go. I mean, yes. And again, is it across the board? No. Is it depend on the length and steepness of the hill? Yes, it does. Yes. And have we decided this across the board? No, we have not. No, we haven't helped your debate at all. <laughs> but I've again, I've never looked at it for, I got to keep my mileage up the hill because it's a hill. We want to climb the You're hill. going to get less right. mileage. Yeah. I don't care what you do. Your mileage is going to drop. I don't care. But hopefully it's, you know, on the other side when you drop down, it all kinda, averages out. Kind of yep. works out. Yep. So I always look at it as keep your speed. Whatever I have to do to keep my speed so I crest the hill at the same miles per hour that Ideally. I win. Ideally, yep. I'm I'm like a hundred yards ahead of the other car that I was just next to. Well, but 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 then there's about a there's about a hundred percent chance that that same car will now pass you on the downhill. Exactly. Because they're not paying attention on the uphill, so they drop 10 or 15 miles an hour back. And they're not paying enough attention on the backside of the hill, so they fly by you. And I will say to those people, two little words, cruise control. Cruise control. It's amazing how it works when your car is equipped with it. Uh, We've got a question from uh, Wilson on Twitter, wrote in and said, in our opinion, what is the most overrated aftermarket upgrade or add-on? Oh, I have an answer for this because I have done it on multiple cars (laughs) and I always regret it. Exhaust. Nine times out of ten, it creates more noise that is generally not as good a noise as the noise you had before because it's a small it's a small volume. They didn't do all the R and D that happened to make the car not drone at eighty miles an hour on the freeway before. Okay, mm. I mean, look, I I'm a guy that I'm an overgrown child, so the crazy loud exhaust I had on the IFRS, I actually did like it. But yeah, it got droney and loud at times. I have an aftermarket exhaust on the Lotus. Sometimes I wish I had the stock one. I put an aftermarket exhaust on the 300ZX. Worst thing I ever did to the car. In all of these cases, you're not. it's not really a power gain to do an exhaust. Mm. In some cases, like header and full piping, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but I'll, put, I'll give it to you that way. The FRS, the gain was the header, not the exhaust. The exhaust just created more noise. Yeah. So exhaust is this thing's like, yo, you got to get an exhaust. No, you don't. It doesn't give you 30 horsepower. No, you don't. <laughs> so just, just leave the stock exhaust on. Do other things. That's, my, that's my, my thought. Think of tires first before you think of exhaust. Oh, tires are top of the list. But exhaust, yeah. is, exhaust is like the low-hanging fruit of, of tuning. That and cold air intakes, which I know some cars benefit from cold air intakes. Some really don't. But, and that's, that's like second on my list. But I, I have seen gains there with the cold air intakes. But the exhaust, it's like, I got... Two horsepower, but I got a lot of noise. <laughs> Yay. Sounds good. Jorge P is on Facebook asking our thoughts on Chrome wheels. Well, I think Chrome is really well suited for bathroom fixtures and Harley <laughs> Davidson's. So you can probably guess what I think of on cars. I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of Chrome in any capacity on any car. Yeah, I know you're not. I like I polished aluminum. I like satin finish. I like hairline brush stainless. I like nickel plating. <laughs> but chrome. Sit down, children. Is, We're talking metals. Chrome is right out. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. Little Monty Python. Thank Perfect. you. Name the reference. Well done. Well done. Uh, let's see. Hot Rod Alex asked on Instagram a GT86 owner, do you wear out your Prius tires or just swap them over as soon as you can? Could you wear out your Prius tires with lots and lots of drifting? The problem is those have a huge tread wear rating, and it's going to take forever to wind them out. Yeah. I think you just go get good tires. I, I think you just go get good tires. Uh, maybe you can sell the old ones. Maybe you can sell them to a Prius owner. I don't know. But I think I, I'm going to tell you just get 
the best tires you can on that chassis because it only benefits from better tires. Mm-hmm. There was a question way back from uh, when we were driving electric cars. Michael D is asking us about the TV show, mm-hmm. and you will see the electrics when yeah. that arrives on Amazon week. Prime. In a week, yeah. Yeah. So he said, have we really gotten a chance to test any of the electric cars in the Utah, the real cold? Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, we talk about winter tires, but, you know, below 40 degrees, he said, but, you know, what is the decrease in range we should expect with electrics in the frigid temperatures? I will tell you, we, the electrics that we drove, we were not below 40, 45 degrees with those cars. The, we were kind of springtime-ish. The bolt, the bolt was colder than the, than the Model 3. It was. But you're right. It wasn't like bitter, bitter cold. It know? wasn't the you know January, February kind of weather. Mm-hmm. And so I will say, Michael, there are a lot of Tesla owners, Tesla Model S owners yeah. in Park City. Yes, yes. There's X's and S's, and now I'm starting to see threes. I'm seeing bolts, mm-hmm. and they're driving them in the dead of winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally with winter tires, but I see them <laughs> everywhere. Yes, are people experiencing lower range? What I saw was about 40 miles less than in the bolt when we were driving it. But again, that wasn't the bitter cold. We had it for a week. We had some cold days during that. We the did. bolt, I feel much better about us calling it. I was going to say about 20% loss on the high side. I think it's 10 to 20% depending upon how cold and your style of driving. Exactly. And that's about right. I mean, they're claiming 240-ish, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. And mm-hmm. I saw full charge. I was looking at about 170 miles available, maybe yeah. 180 Depending on the day. We also have heavy feet, and it was cold. And we were like, sport mode, what does that do? Yeah. That's the only thing that should do is sport mode, yeah. (laughs) Break this button off with Uh a screwdriver. No, so I I experienced that, but of course in the hot weather, it's going to be very different. And again, as Todd said, style of driving. So keep that in mind. Yes, you're going to lose range, but is that stopping people in Park City at altitude in the freezing cold from driving Model S's? No, it's not. Clearly. Well, and you're still going to be well over for these cars we're talking about. You're well over 200 miles, or at least around 200 miles. You're around range. 200 so, for those I mean, kilowatt hour I, I knew, capacities. I knew. I know a couple of people that have the prior gen, not the current brand new one, the prior gen Nissan Leaf. Okay, all right. In the dead of winter, that was Salt Lake down Salt Lake, though, yes. right? In the dead of winter, they were pulling off 80-ish miles, and it claims what 110. It claims 90 to 100. They okay. were pulling off okay. 80, and, and it was, and one of them drives far enough to the place that I know that he works in Salt Lake that he had to pick his days to drive the Leaf in the winter, like in the cold of the winter, Okay, because it might only give him 70 if it's really cold, and a couple of days a week he had like errands he specifically had to run after work, and he couldn't drive the Leaf on those days because he didn't have enough range. Mm-hmm. Now, the Leaf doesn't have much range to begin with. If you're dealing with a car that's going to have between two and 300, as the Bolt and the Model 3 do, you're still going to be fine. But yeah, he was he was running. He had some days where he was like, yeah, I might get seventy because it's really cold today, and it but happens. It's rated at ninety to one hundred, so there you go. Sure, and you know, is that two or three months out of the year? Yes, it is. Yeah, you know, absolutely. the rest of the time, absolutely. Yeah. you're great. So that's that's where we are. Uh, what else? I'm looking at. Uh, well, there's a a good question that I think we should save for topic Tuesday. Olin R. He says, occasionally in our car debates, we bring up cars that we think, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So he's asking mm. about our top forgotten enthusiast cars, which, like I said, that's I think one. that's – let's do some soak time on that one. And also Michael asked about us to revisit our greatest hits. We've talked about yes, it a few times. Right. We should probably combine right. those two thoughts and just talk about our greatest hits and then the ones that are almost like right under the greatest hits, like the forgotten ones that, went, that live in the blind spot. We talked about that before. Maybe we talk about both at once. That could be cool. All right, Max Rathburn over on Instagram is asking me about what I think of Aston's current design language, especially the new DBS and the Vantage and the future of Lagonda. Because I posted this 
Lagonda, 1989 Lagonda on Instagram. Amazing. So crazy huge. Like Wilton wool carpets and all this stuff. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's just <laughs> some parts of it are kind of slapped together. Yeah. I love that photo you you posted where it was the weirdly uh, welded together thing to make <laughs> the wiper work. $200,000 car and somebody's yeah. playing with the welder in the back. Like, oh, it doesn't reach to the arm. So they cut it in half and added a little piece of metal and tack welded it together. That'll do. We're good. Oh, my gosh. $200,000, please. Thank you. Yeah, no kidding. In 1989. Yes, I know. Wow. Well, here's the deal with Aston. They're so classic, and that grill shape on the front has to be carried through every car in whatever iteration, mm, mm. even worse than the kidney grills for BMW, because those have been tall and skinny and vertical, and they've yeah, been really yeah, wide yeah, and yeah. low, and they've been all kinds of different shapes sure, and sizes, sure, but it's sure. still yeah. there. Yeah. The Aston grill... It's going to be an outline on their future Lagonda electric car. It's just going to be a pinstripe, maybe just <laughs> alluding to, you remember the DB4, right? By the way, yeah. It's, I wish they would push them a little further, but I feel like because of the nature of the company and because of the clientele who buys the cars, they don't want the extreme, the crazy, here's what's next. They want to be able to relate to these cars mm-hmm. and the generations relate to each other because guess what? They probably just traded in the prior model to buy the new one. <laughs> and they want new and fresh, but don't go too far, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeyeah. We want it to kind of relate and just freshened and the interior feels comfortable and I'm familiar because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what I'm buying. Yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. they haven't gone far enough with their interiors. I want them to push farther. They're mm-hmm. just kind of a slight refresh of the prior models and interiors but i like what they're doing as far as pushing ahead with that lagonda the vantage is mixed for me i think from angles from the front it it has kind of a cheap look looks like a catfish but there's that problem well there's that i think the 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 technology behind lighting is driving the look of that front corporate you know the lighting sure sure and it's making lights too small i think the the nd Mm -hmm. miata has that problem the lights are too small for the car squinty yeah i see that the fiat is too big but <laughs> Fiat is doing dinner plates just to make up and balance out the world for the Indian. Exactly. But I like it. It's good. Aston, I mean, the, the front trim and, and the expanded metal that they use in the front just looks like a kit car to my eye. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking, all right, a little bit more trim, guys I just and gals. hear it going. <laughs> it's just a bottom feeder just soaking up other things. It, goes, it, it could be really cool from some angles, but it just looks like a catfish from the It front. is. It's just, you know, keep the same proportions. The DBS, I think, is quite nice. Mm. I, I think it's appropriate. It's very large. It's very fussy around the front wheel wells. But they had to do something different right there, and they settled on that okay <laughs> we'll we'll stop there i think it's an excellent car i'm my it turns my head i yeah yeah, yeah I, I want them to keep pushing further but they would alienate their clientele and that's mm. what the high-end manufacturers have to take into consideration in the design studio they have to remember the people actually yeah. buy these yeah and the designers can't always do just what the designers want yeah. so they have to have mood boards see see the 911 in the generation. <laughs> it's just the 911. Uh, Matt, Not just. Matt, Matt wrote in on, uh, I, I, saw, I saw a, by the way, on the 911, I saw a no camo picture of the new 99, what is it, 2? 992. It, it looks like the 991. Okay. Matt wrote in well, on Facebook and yeah. said uh, he's an original owner of an Evo X, the 2015 model with the terrible seats. I'm sorry you got the terrible seats. That really takes away from that car. Yeah, that's But he's, he's kind of looking around and going, okay, maybe it's time to get something else. But he's saying, "What do I get?" He's saying, "Okay." He liked. He used to have. Uh, he used to have a TDI, 
Mark 7 generation uh, wagon, okay, mm-hmm. Volkswagen. And so he liked that fuel economy and, like, daily driving ability, all right? But he has this Evo, and he loves the way it drives. So what's his middle ground is his question. Is he saying Golf R, Civic Type R? What's my middle ground? Hmm. I think neither of the above. I'm going to give you two ideas for what I think might be your middle ground because the thing is the Golf R, even tuned, doesn't have the crazy rotation and handling of that Evo. Hmm. The Civic Type R, very cool, surprisingly good road car and city car, but, but it's front-wheel drive. So I actually think the two closest are the Focus RS, except the ride of that car. If you don't live somewhere where the roads are nice, the ride of that car is hard. It's a difficult ride. But it has similar rotation to the Evo or the Mercedes GLA AMG 45. Oh, One of those two does a better job of giving you the rotation style of the Evo than the Golf R or the Civic Type R. Hmm. Love it. All right. Super quick. Cameron sucks. Double S. What are our thoughts on people that tap their horns coming around blind-ish corners to let others know they're coming through? You might think you'd hear the sound of the engine, but what if you're driving a Tesla or any other electric car? (laughs) I think in that case, it's just kind of nice. Thanks. I appreciate it. If I'm a cyclist on the road, I I think I'd appreciate that. I don't know. (laughs) You're mixed. I can tell. I I just, you have an exhaust note. I I realize we're talking about cars that have an exhaust note. But what if it's an electric and exhaust note's way back there? But if you're that person, now you're going to be honking around every corner? Are, Not every corner. Are you really going to be that see, guy? Well, I guess for I, – I do it for cyclists if I can see them just like, you know, just yeah. going to go around you now and give you a wide berth. But I wonder – and cyclists of the world will ride in in droves. I wonder if you, <laughs> if you honk at a cyclist, have you actually made their day worse? Have you surprised them because they're wondering if something's going wrong? I just keep my foot yeah. in it and give them lots of space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got to treat our cyclists very nicely. Because you can hear me coming because, again, I have an aftermarket exhaust. So here I come. <laughs> I'm going to give you lots of space. And when I give you a full lane in the Lotus Elise, it's going to feel like I'm on a whole other road. Well, I'm way true. over there. I'm well, driving you're this little tiny thing. One of yeah. how many in the planet you very few, buzzing yes. around. Pipes save lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't increase horsepower. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Gary, real quick, I want to touch on this. I touched on it later. Gary wrote in on Twitter and said he really wants to watch season three but can't find it on Amazon in Canada. Well, there's two reasons for that. First off, season three isn't posted on Amazon yet. But secondly, Amazon Prime, unfortunately, the way we're posting it, it doesn't work for Canada. I, don't, I find this inexplicable. I find it inexplicable, but it does I not know. work. So I'm sorry. You will be able to get it on Vimeo. And again, we are one week away from having it available on both Amazon and Vimeo for episode one, season three. All right. Sleeper Scott looking at Cayman S. The 981 generation would love the GTS. I, yeah, I'm sold. I should get one. And what are the most important options that you should consider? I don't want to go too deep, but I will just Uh-oh. leave it with the Porsche Active Suspension Management okay. and the Porsche Torque Vectoring. Okay. So PASM and what's the tor- what's the PTV? There it's it is. PTV. Awesome. And they in a lot of cases, P. yeah, these cars have already been spec that way because if you're buying a used yeah. car, obviously yeah, yeah. you just look for those. And many for cases, sure. it's rare to kind of find a car that doesn't have these on there because mm-hmm. they are so great, especially the suspension. It's actually controlling the fluid through the dampers, and it's really quite great. I'm wow. sold. Can you tell? Yeah, well, you, you sold so much you have one in your garage. There's that as well. 
We have got to end the podcast there. Thank you very much for writing to us. If you've got your debate, please write to us and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about you and the story and the stuff in your life and your budget as well. Love it. Yeah, budget would be helpful. Uh, two scrolls are appreciated and so are paragraphs. <laughs> All of you typing in on your phone, that just makes my head hurt. Thank you guys so much. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.